and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello everybody out there. It's your boy Dave Neal. This is an episode of The Sap. And I want to shout out everybody in the Patreon. Hello to all my new Patreon members, 22 of you guys. I will read your names at the end of this episode. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, to my audio-only listeners, I love you guys too. You're like the first child. The, the, the audio podcast is the bread and butter. It's the fastball down the middle. It's the first child. But then we had all these other children, the YouTube family, the Patreon family. And I'm trying. It's like, it's like I got remarried, and then I need to get the stepkids to play along and not hate each other. That's what we're trying to do folks hello out there how's everyone doing it's dave neal i'm here hold up in my place oh boy i tell you every single day it's like i wake up at 7 a.m i put on a dress shirt or something you know that looks good on camera and i have bathing i have bathing suit shorts on i don't even have a pool i just have bathing suit shorts on in case anyone you know wants to know what i'm doing this summer i got my margaritaville uh, thermos here this is what i like to do okay this is the strategy i wake up in the morning i ha- i make a big pot of coffee then when I'm done with my first cup of coffee, when it's time for leftover coffee, I turn that into an iced coffee. That's what I've been doing. And as you might know, Tasha, my fiance and I have given up eating. We just gave up on life. We've given up. We've given up eating um, a junk food uh, for the month of June. So we're, we, we're going to be traveling in July. Um, the last like week and a half or so of July, somewhere in the second end of July. And... We are going to be in a, uh, a tropical location. I will still be producing content from the resort wherever we end up going. I guess I'll share that with you guys later on. But we were like, look, we just got through. We just moved, you know, three months ago. And there's something about a move that lets you, uh, you just you just throw away whatever, whatever was keeping you from letting go. You know what I mean? So, like, I found a local pizza place I liked. I was eating pizzas in, in you know, like... This local pizza place, it's called like Brooklyn Pizza Co. or something like that. It's very easy to eat a full pizza. They're very good pizzas. So it's very easy to eat a full pizza that I found myself ordering second pizzas for leftovers. Have you guys ever done this? Have you ever been this level of fat where you order food knowing you're not going to get to it till later? So this is literally up until last week, this is what Tasha and I were doing. We went, we went to the beach um, a couple weeks ago. And we went out to dinner afterwards. We had a little celebration. I don't even remember what we were celebrating. The, things have been going well. We decided to have a little celebration. And we went out to dinner. And then we at dinner, we started looking up Chinese restaurants to get takeout for second dinner. Have you guys ever done this before? We don't need that. That's not good for our body. So of course we got we got the we went to the Chinese place. It was like an hour away. We went from the from the beach to this Chinese pl- uh, restaurant in Pasadena, and you know because there was a very specific place that had Singapore noodles, which is a noodle that Tosh has been wanting. So we get there, get the second meal, and then by the time we're done stuffing our face and di- digesting the first meal, we go into second meal, and then the second meal comes with the third meal we have for breakfast, and, and then all of a sudden we're like, look, what are we doing to ourselves? So we decided. About a week and a half ago, we were like, let's just do like a veggies only diet. Let's let's get away from meat. Let's get away from processed food, sugar, alcohol. Like get away from it. So essentially all we've been eating is like broccoli, Brussels sprouts. We're not we're not just doing raw veggies. I cooked squash last night. Um, we've done we, I did like roasted cabbage. I mean, we're really I, it, it sounds kind of gross like roasted cabbage, but if you eat enough veggies, it really does fill you up. I'm not here to push my diet onto anyone. I've lost 5 pounds in the first week pretty easily, but it's it's the brain, you know, it's like that extra 10% of 
whatever that's in your brain when you're not eating well, you know, brain fog. You ever eat too much food and you just can't think? Well, that's what it's kind of like. So to, to release that, I'm feeling good, baby. I'm waking up at 6.30 in the morning. I'm making content, kind of running all day. And uh, yeah, so things have been fine. And we'll have to see. My, my goal is I got up to... 185 pounds. That's the most I've ever weighed. I've hit, I've hit 185, like three, three or four times in my life. My, like my good weight is like 170. If I wanted to like show off, it would probably be 165, but I haven't been at that weight probably since college. So I'm not even trying to go back to 165, but 170 would be nice. I mean, and you know, listen, I get it. It's not about how much you weigh. It's about how you feel and look. That's just how I quantify it. Obviously I want to feel and look good, but you know, there's a, it's nice to, it's nice to hit that benchmark and be like, okay, cool. Nice. You know, for once in my life, I don't want to be like the dad bod when I'm with Tasha, you know, she's beautiful. She always looks good in photos and I'm just like the chump in the background and I'm not trying to steal her thunder. I'm just I just want to look like a, you know, you know, I'll tell you what it is watching the bachelor franchise. You see all these dudes that have immaculate body types and men don't talk much about this, but I can understand from what I feel the pressures to even look like a certain way because we know the women go wild for it. Right? So, so in it, I know, and I know it goes the other way. I know women have your own body, you know, issues because, you know, everyone's, you know, every, everything, everything about entertainment is marketed to, or it's like a size zero, a size two. I get it. Absolutely. Unrealistic expectations. So it's probably nothing compared to what women go through. But for men, it's like, it doesn't mean we want to be slobs and pieces of crap. Like why is dad bod even a term, you know, dad bod essentially means you've got kids to raise. So you don't have time to go to the gym. Like, that, like that's what it right. And I don't have kids and I still have dad bod. So anyway, the, the pandemic has, has given me so many different um, body types. Like the first, uh, I would say, uh, you know, six months of the pandemic, I was just doing non like running. I was doing like five to six mile runs. Uh, the gym was closed, so I wasn't doing really any body muscle training. And I literally could see like my shoulders. I could see like my body change just fr from a few months of like not working things out that I've worked out my whole life. And I'm not some beefcake big guy, but it was very interesting. And then, you know, um, since we moved, like I said, I just put on weight because I haven't really enjoyed running so much in my neighborhood. The, I, I have found a good place to run. And I recommend this to everybody. Wherever you live, wherever you find yourself, you find an enjoyable place to run or work out. So when I lived in Boston, I used to run along the Charles River. When I lived in New York, I'd run along the Hudson. I lived on the upper, uh, I lived on 140th. So I'd run uh, down the Hudson on the uh, whatever the West, whatever the Pacific, not the actually Pacific Coast Highway, whatever the, the Hudson Parkway, whatever that was called, the Hudson Banks, I don't even remember, uh, run down there. And then when I lived in Silver Lake, I'd run up to Silver Lake Hills. When I lived in Santa Monica, I'd run to the beach. So I'm always finding a spot. Well, I didn't really have that here, but I found this beautiful hill and it's a little bit of a jog. It's probably about a mile to get to it. So you jog to the hill and then I just have been running up this hill 10 times. It's a big hill. I... It's, um, it's, there's something amazing about giving a very specific goal, being like, I'm going to get to the top of that hill 10 times. I am gassed by the third time. My calf muscles are twitching right now, but there's something about being a 36-year-old man and trying to run up a hill. Just a very simple activity, you know? So I finally have been enjoying that. And of course, as I've mentioned before, I've moved into a um, Mexican neighborhood. 
And there's just different cultures. There's different traditions here. There is a family that has chickens, and they just let them out. I don't know what the... Maybe the chickens like to do this. Maybe they break out. I don't know. But it seems like every day around 5, 6 p.m., you'll see about five or six chickens, roosters. They'll just cross the street on, on a main street. And they just kind of like peck their way around and they just hang out. And then and then I guess at dinner time, maybe they hear a noise and like clink or whatever and they go back for their chicken meal. I don't know, but it's interesting jogging down the street by uh, chickens. But this is the world I live in and I'm loving it. Um, one aspect I guess I should talk about. Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me tell you what I'm going to talk about in this video. I'm going to share the, uh, one more story and then I'm going to read some Reddit questions about sex and dating. As we know, that's what we do on the SAP. We talk about dating, relationships, uh, some motivational stuff, how to uh, pursue our best and most authentic lives. Usually when you pursue your most authentic and best life, somebody else wants to be a part of that. That's what usually happens. If the cards are right and you're doing what you love to do, someone else is going to go, that person's doing what they love to do. I'm doing what I love to do. Let's meet in the middle and share each other's you know, share in each other's um, wealth. And that's kind of what a good, healthy relationship should be. And of course, it takes a lot to get there. Um, so I'm going to talk about some of those questions that we have. And then at the very end, for my Patreon people, as just like a kind of like a little kind of extra dish, extra info for you guys, I'll share with you a, a, some more insight on what's going on in Bachelor uh, Nation, what's going on with um, the Bachelorette. We just had the premiere episode. So I'll save that for the end. So if you if you only want to stick around for that, maybe it's the last 10 minutes. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to be. We'll get to that. But um, in the meantime... Let me, let me just shout out all the Patreon members because y'all have been amazing. 22 new Patreon members. Here we go. I'm going to shout you guys all out. Deb, and I'm going to go first names only because some people don't like to have their last name there. But uh, Debbie, Haley, Natalie, Leslie, Rebecca, Jerry, Amy, Stephanie, Crafty, Pam, Rachel, Sonia, BL, Tori, Ika, Dawn, Kelly, Kim, Mira, Douglas, Alex, Sarahi. Douglas being the only man, uh, unless it's a lady who used her husband's name. <laughs> There's a lot of ladies in there. Thank you so much. One of those is a soap box, which is the uh, $50 tier. You get a soap box sent to you, homemade soap. And then also, Leslie, shout out to you for, for uh, being my first ever trust fund tier. That's a $100 tier from people with deep pockets. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate the trust fund belief that you have in me. If anyone's in Los Angeles, I do have a show next week, June. Um, oh, geez, I want to say 19th. Let me check the date. Let me check the date on that real quick just to make sure I don't mess up the date. I think it's next Friday. Yeah, uh, no, June 18th. What day is that? It's June 18th. Uh, now, now I'm starting to worry. Okay, it is a, okay, good. It is a Friday, right? Yeah. So, the Thursday, the day before that, I was I I, I um I got asked to be on Jimmy Kimmel. Now hold on a second, hold on a second. I I'm not gonna be on it like in the panel. They're doing one audience member per episode. I guess that's what they're doing because it's like a gag. It's like all right, you know, they only have their crew there, so they're bringing in what audience member, COVID test you, whatever. My friend Caitlin was on it last episode, and she recommended me, and I submitted for it. I don't know if I'm going to be on it or not. I'll let you know when I know, but that'll be next Thursday. And it's it's like a little gag they do. It, ah, not a big deal. Uh, but I do have that show um, June 18th, and that is in Echo Park. Los Angeles, if anyone's in the SoCal area, I recommend coming. It's an underground kind of stand-up comedy show. It'll be a ton of fun uh, and all that jazz. Anyway, so here, real quick story here. My, um, As you guys know, we moved out of our last place in Koreatown. 
I had my license plates stolen. I had my car battery stolen three times. My car was dented. Handles were broken. Things were broken into it. X, Y, and Z. A lot, lot of issues going on there. Well, we moved to a new place, as you know. It's pretty quiet. Uh, Quaint Street. Well, um, guess what? Two days ago, my car battery was stolen for the fourth time. And if you're on the Patreon, I'm going to show you... If you're watching this on Patreon right now, I'm about to show you an exclusive video I obtained of my car being stolen. Okay, guys, this is an exclusive video. Uh, my landlord has a ring camera at the front of the house, and they actually got it in broad daylight. Now, I'm going to make a video about this because I've been tracking... Um, I've been making... Uh, every time my car battery gets stolen, I make like a video about it. I'm not, I'm not begging people to steal my car battery. I just have an old beat up Toyota Corolla matrix. Okay. They stopped making these. They're fantastic cars. The car's got 145,000 miles on it. It, um, the check engine light's been on ever since I've owned it and it's always run perfectly fine. I've had to do minimal work to it. It's a great car. It runs great. Uh, except for the check engine light, which not a problem. But um, be, by the way, on, on a side note, because the check engine light is on, it can't pass smog in its current condition. So I've had mechanics tell me what to do to get it to pass smog. And if I think is it, smog might be like a California only thing. I, a lot of states don't have this, but it's a very specific emissions test. So it's not just emissions. They, they test other things, but I literally can't get my car registered until it passes smog. And the mechanic told me you got to, you know, disable the battery, which is easy because it was stolen. Uh, and he says, after you disable a battery, you got to drive it for like uh, 45 minutes to an hour. You can't go over 40 miles per hour and you can't have the air conditioning on. And the reason for all of this is because you don't want to trip whatever codes are being checked within the check engine light. So the when you the check engine light's running diagnostics for things that are working and not working. And but if you go over a certain speed, you know, so so the guy who does my smog lives about 45 minutes away if I'm taking back roads. So I have to go in the next couple of days. You know, I, I maybe I'm admitting to fraud right now. I don't really know. But uh, the only way I can keep that car on the road is if I drive local roads for an hour with no air conditioning to this smog guy and then pay him to run the smog test. And that's the world I live in. So it's an old car, guys, is the point. And I've been I've been ready to upgrade to a new car. Not necessarily, I mean, who, whoever wants to have to just like splurge on a new car. I've never bought a new car. I've only had used cars. This car's a 2004. When my Jeep got in the accident, uh... That was a 2001, but it was a really clean, beautiful Jeep. It, it was running great. I just put like thousands of dollars into it. And then I got sideswiped. I had a, I had a lawsuit for all that. I got, you know, but when the, the insurance claim pays out the Jeep's blue book, which was like six grand. And for six grand, I couldn't buy, you can't buy much for six grand. I was actually surprised. I don't know if it's Los Angeles being a city or because there's no winters here, but um, good cars like Toyotas really hold their value. Uh, in, in Los Angeles. When I lived in New England, you, I could get a car for a couple grand. I don't know, but maybe it's just out here. So anyway, the only, the best solution I could get when my car got totaled was a 2004 Toyota. So I only went up three years. So I had a 2004 Toyota, which is insane. That's almost 20 years old. And it's 
I guess, easy to break into. So these people that steal the car battery, and again, I'm about to show you the video of it. If you're on the Patreon, watch that. If you're listening to audio, just go to the Patreon and uh, you can sign up if you want to watch this. If not, no worries. But um, I just bought this car battery a couple months ago from the last time it was stolen. I found out you can go to Walmart. It's the cheapest place. Some people say Costco's cheaper. I don't have a membership. So I just bought the battery at Walmart and... I go, I go to uh, walk the dog a couple days ago and I see that the hood's popped on my car. And I go, when I, know, I, I know after three other times of this happening, when the hood's popped on my car, it's not because someone just decided to go popping hoods on cars. It's because they're about to steal my car battery. So sure enough, I filmed it. I, I set the camera up just to get my reaction to be like, come on. And I, because I'm at a new place, I thought this was only a problem in Koreatown. So uh, pop the hood, sure enough, right where that heart of the car is supposed to be. It's just a vacant battery area. And I've had people leave comments left and right saying, oh, you got to lock this. You got to set up a security this. First of all, catching them on camera is going to do nothing. It's petty crime. They're, re- they're, they're basically stealing a $100 battery to recycle it for $18. It's, it's like if someone stole your Diet Coke out of your hands to go s- recycle it. It's petty theft. Um, if you're watching on the Patreon, you can see in the video right here, the people that pull up to my car don't have... So let me rewind to the beginning of this video here. They don't... Oh, maybe I can't rewind. They don't have um, license plates on right there. So hold on one second here while I try to lock this in. Gosh, I'm having a hard time. Forgive me. Let's see if I can get this thing going. Oh, there it is. I'll hit play right here. So this is them trying to steal the car battery. Why am I not being able to move this? Forgive me. Forgive me. Hold on. I got I to gotta make it smaller. Hold on, folks. So for those that are watching this, uh, I'm having a real issue here. A real issue. Um, get my face out of the way there and there. Okay, so here we, here we go. Now I'm going to show it. Now I'm going to do a play-by-play so you guys can see what's going on. All right, the ring light starts with the car, pulls up next to mine. There it is, right? Somebody gets out. Let's let's see if we can... Uh, someone gets out of the car. This is all done within like 20 seconds, right? They start looking. The guy looks at my car. He looks around, sees that nobody's watching, gets down on his side underneath my, my front, pops the hood latch, which is like, you know, underneath. You got to know where that is. Pops it right there. The lady comes by. She holds, now this is a two-man workshop right now. She comes by, and so she's holding my, um, you know, she's holding the hood up on the car. You know, nice teamwork. This is like the saddest, amazing race ever. So she's holding that up, and then, boom, it's gone within five seconds. And then they just swipe it. Um, So that's it. I mean, there's nothing crazy, nothing else I can really show you there. Um... That's kind of where the video ends, and then they pull it, and they escape out of there. And then that was at 10, 11 in the morning, only like an hour before I needed my car. So anyway, here, the, the, the moral, there's no moral to the story other than there's nothing I can do about it other than spend a lot of money. Like, like people are like, well, you could weld your car battery. Yeah, you could weld your like a bracket around your car battery. I'm going to spend a couple hundred dollars. I've already tried to put a bike lock around it. That's been clipped in the past. I've had people clip the terminals. One, one time it was stuck 
uh, too hard to the battery, like the terminals were kind of corroded, and they just clipped that, so then I had to pay my mechanic to put new terminals in. The whole point is, is it's not that big of a deal. It's just a reflection of like the despair that exists in our world, especially in Los Angeles, that people would be doing this petty crime to maybe make 18 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever they're making on it. I go to Walmart, they're sold out of the battery I need. All, like, all the f- closest five Walmarts don't have the battery I need, so I have to go to AutoZone. AutoZone! Get in the zone! AutoZone! And they charge me way more than I needed to pay. It was $180. You got to pay taxes, and you got to pay this, you got to pay that. And it was, the, it was the cheapest one that they had that they could get me on. And, you know, I know people say, oh, you got a Costco, you get a cheaper one. It's like, I needed that car battery because at 8 a.m., it was street sweeping, so I would have gotten ticketed if I didn't move my car. So... They get you, folks. But anyway, uh, thanks to the good people over on Patreon, I'm able to um, uh, pimp out that story and make some money back. And what I'm going to do, actually, is vlog it. I'm going to vlog that story and kind of show what it's been like to have the battery stolen on multiple occasions and this and that. I've considered I've considered getting a tracking device on the car battery. Tracking devices cost around 100 bucks. I've looked into it. And you have to charge the tracking device. It can only last for so long before you have to recharge it. And a car battery is just a black box. So you have to, in the tracking devices, this isn't James Bond where you just like have a tiny tracking device. Tracking devices are relatively large. So you'd have to like duct tape it onto the side of it. And you know, maybe when someone steals your car battery, they don't check. But chances are at some point you spend a hundred bucks for a tracking device and then you go find it ripped off on the side of a highway somewhere. Like, I don't know. Or best, or the other scenario is, you know, you uncover some crazy car battery ring in some warehouse somewhere. I show up and get shot. Do I have any belief that the police would pursue this even if I had a tracking device on the car battery? No. But should I do the tracking device? I'm thinking about it. I'm honestly thinking about it. Now that it's been stolen four times, maybe I leave, maybe I leave the, the hood of the trunk open and say, have at it, boys. I don't know. So anyway, I got this new camera because when you have a problem in life, you got to double down and invest. This is an A7C, not a sponsor, but the, for the for the Patreon viewers, you can see this. This is um, the smallest, this is the most compact mirrorless 4K camera that exists. I got this when Tasha and I found out we were going to be going down to the Caribbean because I wanted to get the best camera for her photo shoots and then the best camera for my vlogging. The camera itself is 1900 and then the lens, this is the cheaper lens. This is an $800 lens. The expensive G-Series Sony lens for this is $2,000, which I, I couldn't muster up $4,000 for this kit, uh, which actually would have been upwards of $5,000. But the point is, this is an investment in my storytelling that I decided I needed to make. My vlog hasn't made a penny. The Patreon, the uh, the podcast doesn't make a penny. The Patreon's made, makes, I think the Patreon's up to $800 a month and the YouTube's doing very well. But my, my, so my decision to invest in myself is just a reminder for all of you guys that I remember, I remember, uh, I remember uh, hearing this, that the first businesses outside after a recession to bounce back are usually marketing and advertising businesses because companies know that in order to get out of bad times, they need to dump money and promote things and have a new brand image. So for you guys that are out there, as we're getting out of the pandemic, my advice to you guys is when, when it comes time, as you're thinking about what you're going to do next, don't be foolish with your money, but invest in things 
that are going to take you to the next level. Now, if you've never edited a video in your life and you have an iPhone, I'd say use your iPhone. Shoot with your iPhone. But at some point, what's the next piece of gear? What's the next you know course you can take? Uh, you know, for me, when I upgraded to Adobe Premiere. Adobe uh, um, uh, Premiere is a you know the professional editing software. When I upgraded this microphone from the originally I had a seven dollar microphone. This was a twenty dollar microphone, which this actually sounds really good for a twenty dollar microphone, the uh, XM eighty five hundred Behringer. And then I upgraded to the Shure um, SM fifty eights, which is a hundred dollar microphone, which is a great microphone. Well, this is the Shure SM seven B, and this is a four hundred dollar microphone, and Part of it is the audio quality is great, but also visually, this is the granddaddy. When someone clicks on a YouTube video and they see somebody with this microphone, you know they mean business. And it's kind of like showing up to a job interview looking nice. There's a lot of visual aspects to the world we live in that you know that you need to separate yourself from the pack. So for me to have this camera on me, no, of course, I got to learn how to use it. It's not expensive because it's they just wanted to spend more. It's expensive because it's made nicer. It's beautiful quality. I mean, look how nice that is. And I'm looking at this. My webcam that I use for the Patreon right now is a um, Sony a6000, which is a nice Sony mirrorless camera, but that's only a $600 camera. This, you know, with the lens is a $3,000 camera. So clearly there's a, just a difference in quality here. And, you know, know when to make those moves for your business, for whatever you're doing to upgrade yourself. Now, of course, with my car, this is the conversation I've been having with Tasha. It's like, what, should I just buy a new car? You know? But it's like, just because someone steals a car battery once every four or six months doesn't mean you need to buy a new car. But also, like, I've, I, I would be foolish to put in, like, say if my transmission went out on my car, which it's starting to go. Uh, you know, the car's 140,000 miles. The transmission's starting to go. Um, is it worth spending $5,000 to fix it? At that point, no. At that point, I think you just send the car off into the uh, Pacific Ocean. You just put a brick on it and let it ride right off, you know, Grand Theft Auto style. That car's got to go. Or, you know, I donate it to... I got, I got a couple of buddies that don't have cars. So maybe, you know, at some point, rather than, you know, rather than selling the car for a thousand bucks with the with the chance it might break down, you know, just give it to a friend. Let him drive it. Maybe it'll dri drive for the rest of the year. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know, folks. I don't know. But I do look forward. I'll, I don't think I'll get a new car anytime soon. I feel like my next car will be like a $10,000, you know, four or five-year-old car, which is a huge upgrade for me. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe I'll just get a new car. We'll see. If I can maintain, like, the growth I've had on YouTube, I might, I might be okay getting a new car. Like, I might be able to muster it or a relatively new car. My stepdad would uh, punch me if he found out I bought a new car because, you know, cars, the second you drive them off the lot, they go, you know, a $30,000 car a year later is only worth like 20,000, right? And, you know, cars, even though over time, you know, at a certain amount of mileage, things start breaking down, but new cars, sometimes it's nice to have a car that's already got 40,000 miles on it. You know, whatever lemon issues that might've existed, someone's already figured out and, you know, it's just starting to get broken in. It's like dating a virgin versus someone who's gently dated, you know, I don't know. All right, folks. Well, let's do this. Let's switch over to uh, my picture in picture here for the uh, video people. And if you're listening on audio, you can follow along too. I'm going to share some questions I have here. Um, looks like I'm having a problem though. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Don't use, I don't know what that was. Something just froze on my phone. Um, 
Boy, if it's not hard enough not having a producer, here I am just running with my, like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to operate five things at once. All right, Reddit questions here. Let's read some of these questions, bang through these. My date got mad at me, the date's 22, he's 20, and kicked me out of bed because I wanted to use a dental dam before I went down on her. Did I do something wrong? Like it was our fourth date and this was the first time we were going to have sex, my first time having sex, okay, Speaking of new cars, he was uh, taking this uh, test drive for the first time. He said, I, I brought condoms, lube, and dental dams. I had them on her nightstand while we were making it in her bed. And when she started taking her panties off, I grabbed and opened the dental dam and she stopped. She asked what it was and I told her, it's a dental dam. She asked what it was for, and I told her it's a condom, but for when I go down on her. She immediately got mad and accused me of saying she was dirty down there and kicked me out. I kind of feel bad. Should I apologize? This is one of those questions that, eh, it's like for a guy, and again, this is going to be, this can be like gender specific, right? And I know, I know that always causes controversy, but for a guy to be with a woman and the woman wants to have unprotected sex and the guy, uh, the guy says, ah, let's wear a condom. In my experience, it's always been met with the women feeling defensive. And again, that's just anecdotal evidence. But in a lot of cases, if the woman's like, no, come on, I, I'm on birth control. We're fine. And, and I go, oh, you know, I don't know. I've been, you know, we should protect and this and that. In my experience, the woman goes, well, what do you think I am? And it can be very, because there is an implication that the other person might have something. And now what that is, is a stigma that an STD makes you a bad person or makes you dirty in some way. And that's just not what the case is. It's just, uh, you know, that's just not, and that's, that's because of our kind of Puritan culture. But in this case, I've heard of dental dams. I've never heard of someone using them to go down on somebody. But, you know, theoretically speaking, if you go down on someone and they've got some sort of, um, you know, uh, STI or something. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some risk there. Now, so so the the correct answer is, you shouldn't apologize, and she shouldn't be mad that you wanted to protect yourself. With that said, you probably you probably shouldn't have gone down on her at all. You know, you probably if you th if you were thinking, and again, this is probably your first time. If you were thinking you needed a dental dam to go down on someone, maybe just don't. And it's almost like if a lady wants to, and again, and this has never happened to me but i've heard of women that want to use a condom to give a blowjob okay all right good for you absolutely um i would say a a, a protected blowjob is better than no blowjob in my book but at the same time if you're really that worried maybe just stay st stay clear of that you know what i mean so i'm sure the comments are going to say uh, so someone let's read a few of the popular comments here uh, let me sort by uh best we always like to sort by the top comments here um, do, 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 you know, in a dental dam, you know, I, I know, how does it work? It's just like a balloon that goes over your mouth. Like, how does that, um, uh, do, 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 one second here. I'm trying to find, uh, there's nothing wrong with protection. Just a question on the timing. Did you put on the dental dam after she went down on you unprotected? Oh, that's a good question. And he said, she didn't go down on me. That was going to be the first time we had oral sex. Okay. Yeah. That would have been that, it, you know, that would have been kind of, bogus if she went down on him and then he was like well let me just get this out it's like well hold on a second i thought we were in this together um someone said i've seen tons of guys on reddit say they expect a girl to give them unprotected oral but they won't go down on her because it's too risky apparently a lot of guys think you can get stds from giving oral but not receiving which is not true or they just um okay all right well let's move on 
the, the point is, is that you got to have these conversations before you're in the heat of the battle. I know it sounds lame, but it's like, you know, you're, you know, but also she shouldn't have kicked you out either. You know, so clearly she, uh, in a, like a lot of people need to learn how to react to situations, understand that, you know, oh, let's talk about this. You know, it might kill the mood, but you know, it's better off talking about it and going, oh, what are you afraid of? Oh, okay. Well, let's just not go there in, in, in general or, or whatever the case may be. All right, let's, let's pass through that one. I don't like that one. My, okay, this is from a 28-year-old female. Her husband, she's been with her husband, who's 30, for five years. She said, I'm very uncomfortable with how much time he spends with our real estate agent, a 38-year-old female. He was out until 10.30 last night. Now, I would have to say 10.30 p.m. is pretty late to be with a co-ed co-worker in most cases. I work in stand-up comedy. Sometimes there's late shows. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's one thing if you are uh, get happy hour at 5 p.m. after work and you're still out at 10.30. Uh, my first question before I get any further info would be, what, were they at a job listing? Were they at an open house till 10 and then they were packing up? Like, what's the scenario? So let's get it. She said, I need to provide some background. My husband got a moderate inheritance, about $30,000, and he, and he decided that he wants to buy a house. First of all, so cute that you think 30 grand can buy a house. Not where I live. I was very, or deposit, not even close. It's like a 1% deposit. I was very frustrated because it was such a unilateral decision. I have lived in the same rental house for 10 years, and I love it. We pay 300 in rent for a historic two-bedroom in exchange for yard work and upkeep, and our landlord has basically told us she will give us the house in her estate because her kids all live overseas. Uh, well, I mean, I would want that in writing, though. She said, we, ba we pay basically one-third of what it would cost us to get an apartment half the size, not to mention we may just be gifted a house that is amazing. But my husband wants a more moderate house with modern amenities. Fine. But I went along with this idea that he wanted to buy a house. He fired our first real estate agent. Oh, wait. So I thought he was working as a real estate agent. Oh, okay. I have that. I have the mistake. So he's trying to sell his house. Gotcha. All right. Sorry about that. Let me, let me keep going here. All right. So without asking me, he went to a woman who has her face on billboards clearly meant to be sexy. The worst is a huge billboard right as you come into town with her laying on a house with so much cleavage, it could be soft core porn. That's real estate for you, baby. Uh, he had something like four showings with her before even telling me he, he was our new, she was her, our new agent. This really bothered me, so I insisted on going to the next showing. In person, she is an attractive woman, but a hot mess, for lack of a better term. Overdone makeup, five-inch heels, fake tan, enormous obvious fake boobs, skirts so short I could see her garter belt straps, etc. She couldn't have given one shit about me, and she did two things that really bothered me. First of all, when I told her about the concerns our previous agent had about how much money we have, she said, don't worry about it. There's always creative financing to get us into the house of our dreams, but wouldn't explain what these things were. I'm a math teacher, so I would understand the numbers. The second seems even more insidious in that when she would show us a house, when I was in a room with her, she would say thought things like, I would knock this wall out to open up space. And if she was in a room with my husband, she would say, we should think about adding a jacuzzi tub and walk-in shower. I don't know if it was on purpose or the I versus we thing really bothered me. That's very specific for you to pick up on, and that's kind of hilarious. Um, I told my husband and said, I didn't trust this lady at all and wanted to either just be happy with our house now or go back to the original agent. And most of all, I was uncomfortable with him being alone with the new agent. He said his compromise would stay with the new agent, but he would not be alone with her. Well, after a week, his way around, well, after a week, um, his way around that was 
his way around that was she would call with an emergency listing that was going to disappear off the market if he didn't act on it now. To his credit, he did ask if he could go and I was busy, but it still made me so uncomfortable. His excuse was that the market is so hot and he needs to act, but at least he did ask me. Yesterday afternoon, he called me at three and said a brand new listing came on the market and he just had to see it and asked if I wanted to go. I couldn't because I had a Wednesday planning meeting with my department. He said he was going. I said that was fine. I didn't hear from him again until 10.30 p.m. when he said he had just gotten done and was on his way home. I asked him what took him so long. He said they had just got to talking in her office about renovations they his words, would make on the house they just looked at. I told him how suspicious this looked that he spent almost a full workday with a woman real estate agent. He said she's a very hard worker. I sarcastically said, I'll bet. He said that I was blowing this out of proportion. When he got home, he definitely smelled like he had been drinking and he didn't kiss me hello like he has done forever. There is no way this isn't as bad as it looks, right? I feel like he had to be cheating on me with this woman. Am I blowing this out of proportion? I personally always tend to be on the side of not cheating, but regardless, it's a bad look. I feel like if he was cheating, he would probably come up with a plan to like say he was doing something else other than hanging out with the hot real estate agent you're already worried about. Um, but regardless, if, if I was in his situation, I would try to FaceTime you. Uh, I would try to like get you in the loop, text you throughout it if there was a reason why I had to stay so late. Uh, someone in the comment section said, everything I needed to know about the state and health of your relationship was in the background. Husband gets small amount of money, decides to buy a house despite your wishes, hires and fires an agent without you, and is shopping for houses without you. The problem as I see it isn't the real estate agent, it's his lack of communication in making joint decisions in your relationship and being completely dismissive of your concerns. Bingo, that's it. Dismissive of someone else's concerns. So that just reminds us uh, to uh, listen to each other and to try to make decisions that are big as a team and also to communicate and understand if your partner's hesitant about something to really explore why. Makes sense to me. Here's a good one. I haven't read this one yet. I don't. Maybe this one sucks, but I like the title. Instagram models and their never-ending come up in my relationship. I'm a 22-year-old female, and I like to think that I am very mature in life and in my relationships. My biggest flaw is insecurity. In the past, I've discussed with my boyfriend, who's 29, about Instagram models, meme accounts that post naked photos and looking at girls. It sounds worse than it is, but I never put blame. I just voice how it makes me feel. Trust me, I wish I wouldn't compare myself to these women. He doesn't follow these women on Instagram and never has, but he would follow meme accounts that post them all the time. He ended up unfollowing that meme accounts on his own will. I never expected it, but noticed that he searched them up on his own. His Instagram search bar had almost 10 women on there with huge boobs and butts and all the things that those models are known for. I can't help but feel upset and insecure and now I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to bring it up again, but it does hurt my feelings trying to make myself feel better because it's normal. So this is uh, this is probably relatively common. Insecurity in a relationship because these sort of porn, pornographic images your man has. Uh, you know, and so we get into semantics, right? Because he didn't follow them, but he followed the accounts that had them. So it's like, it's, it's almost like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of women would be okay if their man like looked at porn, but not if it was like, 
someone he knew, you know? So I feel like with Instagram, if there's like these Instagram models, bikinis, this and that, I'm not equating that to porn, but it's obviously going to, you know, it's, a guy's going to look at it uh, with thirst, if you will. For him to search them rather than follow them, in some ways, I'm not defending him, but in some ways would almost be like respectful to you. Like at least he's not flippantly just following everybody. He's being like, all right, I'll look these people up from time to time, but I'm not. Now the question becomes this. How's your sex life? How's your intimate life? If it's lacking, then he shouldn't have, and this is, you know, this is advice every guy should take, myself included. If your intimate life is lacking in any way, in your finding, in your getting that uh, dopamine rush from the internet, whether it be porn or Instagram models or whatever it may be, then chances are you are wasting that energy on somebody that's not your significant other. So make sure you please each other and yourselves first. And then maybe she'll, maybe in that case, she would be more secure with Instagram models. Now, on the other hand, women have to deal with the fact that there are just gorgeous, unrealistic, photoshopped, edited body types on the Instagram. My fiance, when you, like a lot of her friends are models, she's a model. So she sees all of these images of people living their best life in their tiny bikinis, you know, this and that. And that's heartbreaking. I can, I can feel it in her, like how annoyed and discouraged you get on Instagram when you look at everyone else living their best life. I don't feel that way when I look at beautiful men. I don't feel that way. I don't compare myself to them in that way. But society hasn't trained me to do that. I compare myself to other comics. So if I, if I look on Instagram and I see a bunch of comics living their dream, doing shows, having fun, having success, I look at that and I go, I don't have that. And it's unrealistic to think that all of those comics have all of that success. It's just everyone putting their highlight reel up. So we compare our, our everyday life to somebody's highlight reel. We compare who we see in the mirror, ourself, versus someone with their very specifically curated photos that are edited, photoshopped, filtered, whatever the case may be. And it's unfair. So to the person who said that it's just never ending dealing with the Instagram models, the, in the, uh, the internet's not going away. And you're going to have to come to terms with like self-love, but also be realistic with your partner and, and be, and, and make sure you're getting whatever intimacy you want. And I'm sure once you get whatever it is that you want, you won't be as concerned if you do find a model on his Instagram page. Well, this one kind of blends in nicely. Me, I'm a 35 year old male and my girlfriend's 36 year old. We haven't had sex for seven months. Greetings. My girlfriend is my best friend and I would like to make this work. Been together for four years. I will try now to explain the situation. After about a month of trying to initiate sex with rejection every single time, I decided that we needed to have a talk about this. So I decided to be straightforward. Told her that I realized that she hadn't been in the mood lately and wanted to know if there was something that I could do about it. Did I need to do something else during, fo during foreplay? Was something turning her during coitus? Or was there perhaps something that she wanted to try that she hadn't already addressed? She told me that none of this was to blame. She simply was just not in the mood lately and said she felt constantly tired, sleepless, always felt pain in her back or legs, felt she was fat and not attractive and didn't know how to fix these things. I asked her if work was maybe getting too stressful for her and she responded that it sure was dreadful and she believed she was having a burnout. So here are the things that have changed over the last few months. My girlfriend got another position within her company that hopefully will treat her better than the old one. The position was in another city, so we have moved here. 
found an apartment. She had a lot of friends here, so she is overall happy with the change. I work from home, so changing locations was not a deal breaker for me. I went bed shopping with her, told her that we could have to be buy a more comfy bed so she could sleep properly. We found one now. She sleeps like a rock during the night. I like exercising, but she's not very fond of it. So both we, uh, but both to, uh, both went out the frustration and try to fix these legs and back pain and get her more confident. I've started to suggest regular hikes, which she likes because of its kind of an exercise and we spend some time together. Furthermore, I bought Zumba and Let's Dance on Switch and she has fun doing these activities with me. And to be honest, you really do work off some sweat in this Zumba game. I've done Zumba before. It's a good little workout. Make fun of it all you want. Once you start moving that body, you start doing that little uh, lumbata, it feels good. However, her libido seems to not be restored. Guessing this might take longer time. I have to be shallow and say that this is getting pretty frustrating for me. I asked her if she perhaps wasn't attracted to me anymore, and she responded that it was not that I was a hot stuff. I just don't feel that hot, though. Well, you know, that's tough. I mean, it, it feels like you're in the right direction, you know? It feels like you're... Well, here's the thing, and it, and it could just be the way you frame things, but it, it, it felt like you've given her all of the answers to her problems, but... Is she, just like she's not initiating sex, is she also not initiating working out? Or is she being dragged on the hike? Where's her ambition to do better? You know, and, some, and, and maybe she's depressed. I feel like when you're depressed, you don't have the energy and courage to like, to do better. You know, it's a whole like being sick and tired of being sick and tired. It might be a long road for her. Uh, kudos to you for being so kind, compassionate, and giving her the grace to figure this all out. Obviously, you're going to need to figure out what makes you happy. Um, hopefully, there's a catalyst that that happens as she's regaining her health and her sleep and her value and this and that, that gets her back to that place. But it is amazing. Like, I, I, seven months is a long time. When I was working Uber, uh, I, there were some times when I was really packing it in. I mean, it hurts my face to even think about it. There was times when I was working 4 a.m. and I was working like 16-hour shifts. 16 hours is the longest you can work before the app shuts you off. So I was working so much. I was sleeping like five hours. I was exhausted. And you can, and totally, there's no room for sex. So there's no room for that romantic part of your life if you don't make room for it. Simply put, you know? So... Hopefully these changes, the new bed, the new, you know, getting, literally just getting sleep and getting out of whatever funk she's in, hopefully that's enough for her to change her tune. Uh, this will be our last question here, and then I'll share some of the Bachelor info. Up, okay, it was edited. Uh, hold on, I got to, there's a two parts to it. I got to open up this first part here. So I'll read the original question, and it looks like there's an update, which is, it's always fun when there's an update here. So let's see. It was from a 23-year-old female. She said, I had a one-night stand with a 25-year-old male and later found out he has a long-term girlfriend. Should I tell her? A few weeks ago, I was at a bar with some friends and this really handsome, charming guy approached me and bought me a drink. We were chatting and then he suddenly kissed me and we exchanged numbers. Later that night, I was at home and he texted me asking if I wanted to meet up. I did. I gave him my address and he came over. We had a drink and then we had sex. He was surprised when I asked him to use a condom. He said, how cute, you're so careful. And I just laughed it off and said, I don't know you and you don't know me. Anyway, after that, he went home. During the week, I was scrolling through Facebook on my lunch break and he came up as a suggested friend, probably because his number is in my phone. I clicked on his profile and he's in a relationship. He's been with this girl since 2017 and she posts about him a lot. She looks to be very much in love with him. 
I know he's probably sleeping with other women aside from me, and he was so swift in the way he came in, got me a drink, kissed me, and got my number, that I feel he's done it plenty of times before. I'm shocked that he didn't intend on using a condom. I don't have an STD, but he doesn't know that, and he was just willing to risk giving an STD to his girlfriend. Maybe he has already. I'm also not on my birth control pill, so his willingness to take that risk was surprising. I was so torn about what to do in this scenario, I considered making a burner Facebook account and messaging her, or not getting involved at all, or asking him what's going on. I I didn't decide on a solution, and then this weekend that just passed, he messaged me again on Saturday night asking me to come out with him. I left him on red. Should I message her, do it from a fake account? Interesting. Well, that went viral, so we got an answer. My, so before I read the answer, my thought would be ask the guy before you message her, just be like, dude, are you in a relationship? Like, what's the deal? Maybe they have an arrangement. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they have an arrangement. Uh, maybe it's like the guy from before. She's not uh, sleeping with him and they have an arrangement. I don't know, but uh, let's find out. So here's the update. Didn't expect this to blow up the way it did. I'm not looking for advice anymore. I'm just here to update. Stop telling me to message her or him or whoever. I'm not comfortable with that anymore and I will not be getting involved further. So my previous post got quite a few responses, so I figured I should update on the situation. I wish I could say I swooped in and was the hero of the story and rescued this girl from potentially more years of being disrespected by this man, but I'm pretty sure she saved herself. I read every comment on that post and weighed up all the options, and I decided I would wait exactly one month and a half so that it wasn't so obvious who I was, then make a burner account and DM the girlfriend just with some vague information about what happened and leave it up to her to decide if she wants to believe me. However, shortly after I made that post, I checked both of their Facebook profiles, and now and they now both say single. She has also removed all pictures of him. On her latest Instagram post, there's a few comments from her friends expressing that they're here for her. They hope she's okay, etc. So it's safe to say they broke up. My guess is that he was sleeping with other girls as well as with me, and one of them alerted her to it. So it worked out in the end, a very sad situation, but at least she's not wasting more of her precious young years on that guy. You know what's crazy is, um, I mean, first of all, it's great. It's great that there's at least uh, an ending that's not, you know, someone being walked over or lied to or this or that. Maybe they broke up and it wasn't Instagram or Facebook official. You know, that can be the case too. You break up, but for whatever reasons, you want to wait a month before announcing it. Who really knows? Who really knows there? But I I do remember hearing a story, and this could totally be fictional, made up, about a guy who who like went over some girl's place, they hooked up, but then like somehow found out she had a boyfriend. So what he did was he wrote a note to the boyfriend underneath the toilet seat. So when the guy lifted the toilet seat up, it it said what it was like, Hey man, sorry. I didn't know she had a boyfriend, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. She cheated on you. I don't know if that's true or not. It's kind of a a far-fetched thing to think, but maybe it is. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, nice questions there. Uh, some sexual, some dating, some relationship, a little bit of all that we cover here. Uh, and to talk quickly about The Bachelor, we'll talk about that now. Last 10 minutes here or so. We just had the season premiere of Bachelorette, Katie Thurston. Um, as I've mentioned on, uh, other platforms, we've talked about it that like, you know, Katie's been a, she's been somebody who communicates a lot with the people that recap the show. So obviously I'm one of those people. I I recap the show. I talk a lot about it, obviously. And she found out my information from just seeing my stuff pop up on social media. It's been amazing. I'll say this. It's been amazing this last year with YouTube promoting my content, how many contestants have reached out to me. And you know, you got to realize there's a power dynamic there. Like 
would Katie at Thurston have any intention of being friends with me? You know, maybe if we were in the same circles or whatever. But for the most part, obviously, as the lead of the show, there is, even if she doesn't recognize it, there's got to be some sort of um, bias, like intention for her to want to make sure I see her in a nice light. But with that said, I've always been a supporter of her from the first time she was on the show. It's like, she's cool, we like her, this and that. So I don't I don't think she's got any sinister motivations there. But with that said, I'm also not a pre-approved member of the Bachelor community, which I, I don't mind. And, and what I mean is this, like she did an interview on Chicks in the Office podcast, which is Barstool podcast. And clearly they've got big PR, big following, this and that. Um, I've had contestants in the past say they were going to come on my podcast and then ended up not being able to. So there's clearly like a list of podcasts they're allowed to do, things they're not allowed to do. And you know what? I kind of like being in the position where like I'm not bought and sold. I'll talk about what I want to talk about. And if people want to come on, they can come on. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. My my channel doesn't really get more success. It, it, like it gets success by being critical of the show, by by bringing my own humor and authenticity. And what I've had to learn with the podcast, with the YouTube, is that honestly, sometimes a guest can add value to what I do. But in a lot of cases, I think you guys just want to hang out with me. And I don't mean that in a way where I'm anything special. But I just think we've built a rapport. We'll continue talking. We'll continue having our are fun together. And if other people want to come along for the ride, good. And if they don't, that's fine too. Uh, but what's interesting is all of the, the amount of people that have written in and called in that are friends and family with former contestants. Now, obviously Rachel Kirk Connell was a big story this past year. Uh, and if you're just listening to the podcast and you're not familiar with any of this, she had photos from college from three years ago that went viral from an old antebellum Southern party, which is these old South parties that kind of like reenacted the Civil War. They kind of dressed up that way, debutante style. Now, whether or not they did that at that party is is debatable. Most people said they had no idea it was that it was like a slavey type of thing, but it created this huge controversy and she was thrown under the bus and didn't apologize right away. The, the producers tried to keep her quiet and all that jazz. Well, multiple people from her family started reaching out to me. Um, an uncle, an uncle from an, you know so, somewhere else, I believe a sister, a cousin, a mom, uh, reached out um, either through um, voicemails, uh, reached out to let me know I was pronouncing her name wrong, just simple things like that. Reached out to say, ah, come on, she's she, she's trying her best. We, we, you know, they reached out to tell me that they really love Matt James, who was the guy that she was kind of on again, off again with. So it's very fascinating as my podcast is very niche-based that I was starting to get all of these um, people reaching out to me. Uh, Blake Moynes, who was on the last season of The Bachelorette and this coming season of The Bachelor. I'm sorry, he was on the last season of The Bachelorette and he's on this current season of The Bachelorette. His mom follows my YouTube channel now, reached out, just watches the show. Nick, um, I'm sorry, well, maybe we should have slipped that. I think Nick reached out. Uh, who else? <laughs> and so it's very interesting. Um, uh, Pilot Pete, Pilot Pete reached out and said he watched my stuff and likes it. And of course, uh, now Katie Thurston. So uh, it's exciting to know that there's people out there that are like watching what what's going on here, and it's still a small niche that's really irre irrelevant to the greater the greater good. Like it's like all right, cool. Within this small community, it's nice to have a little credential, but in the in the grand scheme of things, it's like all right. Well, what are we talking about? You know, they're only they're only famous because they're on a dating show. They're just like you and us. We're all kind of doing this stuff together. Well, who reached out? Reese. Oh, so uh, one of my Patreon members, a 
friend of the podcast of the YouTube channel uh, posted something on their social media liking Greg Grippo. And I'm not using any names, so I hope I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. Could it, it could be anybody. And one of Greg Grippo's family members was like, I can arrange that, which is so funny to me because family members didn't sign up for this. Family members didn't sign up for the, um, I'll, uh, you know, uh, NDA or this or that. So like they, if they want to, you know, be a part of the kind of cool internet traffic and play the game, it's a lot of fun to them. And as we're getting into a place with The Bachelor where more family members are on social media, you got Peter Weber's moms on social media. You got all these contestants whose moms are kind of like, you know, joining the conversation. It's just a ton of fun. It's really funny to me. So it was funny that Greg Grippo's uncle was ready to set up someone with him. So that's assuming that, you know, whether, well, and I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm sure the uncle has no idea if Greg Grippo ends up with Katie Thurston or not. So I'm not saying any spoilers. I'm sure they don't know that. But it's funny to think that like, we live in a world where you can just tweet about a TV show that you watch and a family member from that TV show is like, yeah, I'll make it happen. What, well, you know, I'll, I'll hook you up. You want to come to the barbecue? I think you should go to that barbecue. Let the uncle invite you to the next barbecue and then call us. We'll do, we'll do a live stream on Patreon for all the Patreon members here. Call us and let us know how it all goes down. We'd love to know. Um, I'm going to be doing another live stream later on this week, so stay in, stay in touch for that. I got a live stream at 4 p.m. today. ton of content coming out. So if you're, um, if you're catching this up later on and you missed any of the live streams, you can always watch those on YouTube afterwards. If you just like the audio podcast because it's a chance to just listen to a friend babble on while you drive in traffic, that's fun too. We love all of our SAP members. I appreciate all of you guys out there. The Patreon, what's the number count? So the Patreon's almost at 90, which is just insane. You know, I created this Patreon a couple years ago and we were always hovering at like 20 to 22 Patreon members. So I feel like by the end of the week, we might be at 100. We're at 90 Patreon members right now. So thanks so much to you guys for helping me invest in all this new gear and all the investments we're making. And all I can tell you, say to you guys as you kind of go out there and pursue whatever life you pursue is to just... Keep on finding new ways. It doesn't have to be financially, but keep on finding new ways to invest in yourself. Keep on finding new ways to invest the time and equity into what you do. You know, my favorite quote, don't rent out your time. When you go to a job where you punch the ticket, you're getting paid for the hours you show up. What kind of job can you find where you do what you love and you're paid tenfold that, 100-fold that. Look out for that. We're living in a globalized world that's only getting more connected. So if there's a way you can find to do what you love in a bigger platform, build that equity, invest in your time, just start watching YouTube tutorials, you know, just Google the most random thing you don't think even exists and someone might have a blueprint for you guys. Anyway, that's the episode. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate everyone for sticking around and I'll see you next time. Bye everybody.